One of the things that I appreciate about Glad Tidings is, is the, the diversity and gifts that we have here at the church. In Ephesians, Paul says this. He says to the Ephesian church, he said, God gave to the church some different giftings. He gave apostles, he gave prophets, he gave evangelists, and he gave pastors and teachers. Why? To equip the saints, the body of Christ, to do the work of ministry. And so we have all kinds of giftings here at Glad Tidings. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out mine, and so are you, right? Um, we have, um, we have uh, prophets in the house. We have evangelists in the house. We have teachers in the house. And this morning, one of the teachers, our very own here at Glad Tidings, is going to bring the word to you this morning. And his name is Deli Davies. And uh, he's got a great word. He's preaching this passage. I love, I love this passage he's preaching from. And he does so well mining the gold out of this passage. Let me tell you about Delhi. Delhi Davis is a Christian leader, pediatrician, and scientist. Delhi believes in the compatibility of science and his strong faith in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. He is currently senior leader at a major academic health center here in Omaha. He was born and raised in Nigeria, but lived most of his adult life in England and Canada prior to moving to the U.S. 14 years ago. Prior coming to Omaha, Delhi was head of the Department of Pediatrics at a major university in Michigan. Michigan. Hey, I grew up in Michigan, okay? Uh, East Lansing, that's where my wife and I met, uh, great place. Delhi has traveled on many short-term missions medical trips, including three months at a missionary hospital in India and shorter missions to Ecuador, Laos, and Belize. Since moving to Omaha five years ago, Delhi has been serving as a small group leader. Come on, small group leaders. Awesome. Uh, an altar worker here at Glad Tidings as well. And in 2013, Delhi authored his first book on spirituality entitled The Real House of God. And Delhi currently serves on the boards of local Omaha not-for-profits, including the Assure Women's Center and the Boys and Girls Club of the Midlands. Delhi is married to his lovely wife, Arike, who serves on our worship team, altar team, and intercessory prayer teams here at Glad Tidings. Delhi and Arike have three wonderful children, Tolua, Joshua, and Ledemine. And now that you know Delhi a little bit better, would you put your hands together and welcome him to this pulpit? Thank you, Pastor. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. Thank you very much, Pastor Walt. I feel very privileged to be under the spiritual authority of a man who loves God, who cares a lot about living out his faith courageously, and who has made himself freely available to be God's instrument to the members of this congregation and to our community. Thank you, Pastor, for your leadership and for always having the courage to follow through when God has given you a vision for his people and for his church. You and Carrie and the whole leadership team of Glad Tidings are a blessing from God to all of us here. We do not take you for granted. We love you, and we uphold you regularly in our prayers. Amen. Give it up for Pastor Walt. Okay, before I start, I'm just going to surrender my body to Christ, and then we'll continue. Father, I just commit this temple to you. Lord, and I decree that every word that comes out of my mouth this morning are yours and not mine. Lord, anything that I say that's not of you or that I'm about to say that's not of you, I ask that you cancel. Lord, I pray that only, only your anointing will be felt here today. And I thank you for preparing the hearts and minds of everybody who's here to receive the message 
that you want to give. In Jesus' most holy and most precious name we pray. Amen. So the title of my message today is, When God Says So, He Means It. When God Says So, He Means It. So I want everybody to repeat these words that are going to show up on the screen. We're going to recite them together as a, as a, as a church. So let's say these words together. I am a child of the living God. I believe only what God has to say about my situation. God's promises to me are yea and amen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. So these words are the cornerstone of my life. They are the foundation of my faith. And they represent who I am today. I believe these words should be the cornerstones of your lives and everybody here who's here today. I challenge you and I promise you that if you believe these words, your view of God and of yourself will never be the same again. One of the great mysteries of our faith is that we have this father who is so big that we cannot get our heads around his bigness. And yet, he's so small that he knows and cares about our every need. He is a good father. And he has given us all the rights, privileges, and the authority of being his children. He is a God who always does what he says he will do. Unfortunately, we do not always see God do what he has said. Because we allow too many other voices, including our own, to crowd out his voice in our lives. These voices can ultimately cause us to make choices that pull us away from God's perfect plan for our lives. Um, my hope and prayer for you today is that you will never fail to fulfill God's perfect plan for your life in Jesus' name. Amen? Okay, so two weeks ago, Pastor Walt revealed that he had received a vision from God. That glad tidings would see more people come to salvation in Jesus Christ during the next eight years than we have seen in the past 80 years of this church. These words should be a cause for dancing and celebration by the whole church because the Bible says there is great rejoicing in heaven when one lost person gives their life to Jesus Christ. As a church, this vision that Pastor Walt received is for us and not just for the pastors. We are the body of Christ. And we are the ones God wants to use to make this vision a reality. Recently, God has also been prevailing upon me a vision to share with my small group over the last several weeks that we need to be getting ready to be agents of change that God wants to use to profoundly influence the city of Omaha, the United States, and the world. Clearly, this message of influence is what God, does, God wants us to hear in this season that we are in so as to prepare us as a congregation to be ready for this harvest. We all need to be asking God, what should I be doing to prepare myself for this coming harvest of souls? Think carefully about this. God wants to use you and I to bring revival to Omaha and to our nation. I know some of you may be thinking, hold on a second. America is dying. The country is in dire straits. We are a divided nation. We have gone off track. I can fully understand why some of you may think that. However, if God says he wants to use glad tidings as an instrument for revival for our city and for our nation, 
What God means is that he wants to use glad tidings as an instrument of revival for our city and for our nation. It does not matter how impossible it seems to you or to me. God is always true to his word. He was true to his word when he promised us that we would raise $3 million debt-free in 28 months during the We Believe campaign. And I know there were many people who probably didn't believe we could do it, but we did. Not we. God did it. So now, as we embark on this new journey towards influence, I would like to give you four key take-home points today using the story of Jairus and his daughter in the Bible to illustrate how we as a congregation need to respond to make God's promises to us both a reality for our church, but also for our personal lives. So turn with me to Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. I will be reading from the NIV version. Listen. When Jesus had crossed over again by by boats to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her feet, on her, so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there too, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, remember that she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched me? But Jesus kept, around, kept looking around to see who had done it. When the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother, bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Repeat that. Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, Jairus 
was a very important man in Israel. He was described as one of the synagogue leaders, meaning that he was part of the elite ruling class of Israel. You may recall that most of these leaders did not like Jesus because Jesus did not fit their image of who the Messiah was, and they believed he was undermining their authority. However, Jairus, even though he was a member of this elite group, had a more urgent and compelling need. His precious and beloved 12-year-old daughter was dying. Jairus may not have liked Jesus, but he had clearly either witnessed Jesus' miracles or someone trustworthy must have told him about these miracles. Whatever the case, Jairus knew that Jesus could heal his daughter. There was only one problem. He, as a member of the Jewish elite, had to humble himself, forget about his position as a leader in the synagogue, and go fall at the feet of this same Jesus that he was not even supposed to be associated with. Mark 5, 22 and 23. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, on her so that she will be healed and, and live. So here is our first take-home message, point number one. Humility is the first step into receiving God's promise for your life. Let me say that again. Humility is the first step into receiving God's promise for your life. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. If you humble yourself and go to Jesus for help, Jesus will hear your prayers and help you, no matter what your current state of relationship with him is. Jesus is not concerned right now about whether you are his friend or not. He's not concerned about your current state of mind. He's not concerned if you're a devout follower, a hypocrite, or an unbeliever. He does not even care if you're a drug dealer, a serial liar, a murderer, or an addict. He wants you to come to him exactly as you are. You do not wait until you get well to go see a physician. You go exactly as you are. That's what Jesus wants from you. If you humble yourself and go to him, he promises to be waiting with open arms to receive you and to take care of your situation. Revelation 3.20 Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So Jairus had a mission to save his daughter. So he humbled himself and went to Jesus. You and I, as the hands and feet of Glad Tidings Church, have been given a mission to become the instruments that will bring healing and salvation to our city and ultimately to our nation. The first step for each one of us then is to humble ourselves, draw nearer to God, and contend for this vision. It does not matter what your current station in the church is, whether you're a pastor, a deacon, an usher, whether you have the toilet cleaning ministry or the singing ministry, or whether you are just an attendee at this, at this time. It is time to be actively seeking God in prayer and asking for step-by-step -step instructions for what your role should be in making God's promises to our church for revival a reality. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, 
and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice that in this verse, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, he does not say, if all people will humble themselves. He's therefore referring in this instance to us, his children, those who have already received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So let us, be, not, let us not be waiting for all of America, all of Omar to turn to God before we do our part. We are the ones Jesus is calling to humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways. We have been given this word for now so that we can go and contend for it in battle on our knees. Remember, God was ready to save Sodom and Gomorrah if he found just 10 righteous people. I assure you that as a, that as, as a congregation of thousands, we should never doubt what God can do for America Omaha and the world, if we all play our individual roles as soldiers in his army. We need to begin a season of intense praying and even fasting, so that God's word to us will be realized. Also, there's some of you here today who have been waiting patiently on God for a long time to give you something he has promised, or to deliver you, or someone you love from bondage of some kind. It could be They've been waiting for a spouse, for a new job, reconciliation in a broken relationship, financial freedom, delivery from an addiction, or something else. Whatever your situation is, God is saying that you need to believe today that he will do what he said he he was going to do in your life. Never quit on God. Or stop going to your knees to him until your situation has been resolved. It does not matter how long you've been waiting does not matter how hopeless your situation is. does not even matter if you have stopped believing him. Ask him to cure your unbelief. Mark chapter 9, verses 21 to 24. A man whose son had convulsions from childhood brought him to Jesus for healing. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has, this, has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into fire or water or to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my belief, my unbelief. Some of us here today need to make the same proclamation to Jesus. Help me to overcome my unbelief. Do not look at your current situation to determine what God can do for you. Do not look at America's current condition to determine what God can do for our nation through glad tidings. God is bigger. God is bigger than all of America's problems. God is bigger than any need in your life. Anything you're waiting on him for, he's able to deliver. If you patiently wait on him on your knees and continue to trust him. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you could ever hope for or imagine. His plans for you are plans of good and not for evil. His plans for glad tidings are plans of good and not for evil. They are plans to give us a future and hope. We just need to believe that he can do anything I said he will do for us and for our church. Now, because Jairus embraced shame and humbled himself before Jesus, Jesus agreed to come to his home to help heal his dying daughter. In the same way, God is ready to come to each one of you to fulfill the greatest of your life's desires. He's ready to come to us as a church body to use us to bring salvation to Omaha, to our nation, and to the world. So I make the following declarations and decrees. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus, I decree that no one here today will miss out on God's promises to change your personal situation. Amen? In the name of the Lord Jesus, I decree that we as a church will not miss out on God's promises to do something about our season of influence. Amen? Amen. I decree in the name of Jesus Christ that God's Holy Spirit overflows in the hearts and minds of everyone here today who is struggling with unbelief about some promise God has made to you about your situation. And I decree that he gives you back the power to believe. Finally, I decree in the name of the Lord Jesus that the Holy Spirit will reveal to each and every one of you what you need to be doing to make God's promise to bring restoration to Omaha and America a reality. If you take care of kingdom business, the king will take care of your business. Matthew 6.33. That's my interpretation of Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So here's the second point. A delay in answer is not the same as a no from God. Let me say that again. A delay in answer is not the same as a no from God. While you are waiting for God to do what God has said he will do in your life, you will often find others who are getting the same blessing that you are waiting for while your own situation seems to be delayed or getting worse. While Jairus was anxiously waiting for Jesus to follow him home to to heal his daughter, another woman we are told about was also seeking healing from Jesus. Listen, Mark 5, 24 to 29. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, that is Jesus, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all, all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, listen to that again, she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from the suffering. Now, this woman had been dealing with this disorder for 12 years. She had been to all the doctors she knew. She had spent all her life savings on trying to get healed. She had every reason to have given up hope. However, we are told that she also heard about Jesus and what he had done for others. So let me digress a little bit. This is a reminder to each, one, each and every one of us about the power of testimony. It's important that we share our testimonies about what God is doing in our lives. Your testimony today may just be the life-saving tonic that someone needs to hear to bring them to the feet of Jesus. This particular woman was desperate. Everything she had done to get better only seemed to make her situation worse. There are many of you here today who can relate. As Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house, with this large crowd following him, this desperate woman made her move. She pushed through the crowds. She did not care about her manners. She probably didn't even say, excuse me. She did not care who she was offending at that moment because she would not be denied. She was a single-minded woman in her determination and in her desperate belief that if she need, that she needed a touch from Jesus. Twelve years of trying and failing did not stop her. A crowd of onlookers could not dissuade her. Where Jesus was going did not concern her. All she cared about was touching Jesus and tapping into his healing power. And touch she did, 
And as a result of her faith and desperation, she was instantly healed. Imagine the joy of the woman at that moment. Twelve years of bleeding and suffering, gone in one flash of glorious interaction with Jesus, and her life was transformed forever. Your life can also be transformed in a single moment of glorious interaction with Jesus. You just need the same desperation and belief for Jesus to touch you. And I claim this transformation over each and every one of your lives right now in Jesus' name. Now, while this woman was quietly rejoicing that Jesus healed her, something extraordinary happened, something really strange. Jesus stops dead in his tracks and refuses to move on because he says somebody touched him and power had left him. Can you imagine that? Mark 5, 30 to 32. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? So the disciples asked, you see the people crowding against you? And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done this. Now imagine what Jairus was going through right then. His fast ticking clock of hope for his daughter's healing had been brought to a sudden and abrupt stop. Hey, Jesus, remember me? <laughs> remember my daughter who's deathly ill? Don't forget, don't forget that I'm putting all my hopes in you. I'm putting all my reputation on the line to be associated with you. I've risked the scorn of my friends and fellow Pharisees to come to you for help. There are hundreds of people around you, crowding you, pushing you, touching you. Why are you so preoccupied that someone touched you? Let's, let's just go. Let's move on. We can't stop. My, my, my daughter's dying. Jesus. But Jesus did not bulge. He was going nowhere because he already knew the end from the beginning. He was going nowhere until the woman who had touched him confessed and he had a chance to commend her for her faith. In the same vein... There's some of you who are experiencing periods of delay in your journey to receiving the promise God has made you today. There may be delays in the promises made to our church about entering this season of influence. You may even encounter people who seem to be getting exactly what you have been waiting for, for God ahead of you, and you've been waiting longer than they. How should you respond? Well, Romans 12:5 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. And Psalm 46 says, verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. In other words, trust God no matter what your circumstances. So, Jairus could have been offended by the delay caused by the woman with the issue of blood. He would have been justified to leave Jesus at that point. But he would also have missed out on the healing of his daughter. Right? He would have missed out. Similarly, do not be offended by Jesus when he's giving something to somebody else that you so desperately want. Do not be offended that others are getting instant answers while you're waiting for that spouse, that new job, that reconciliation with your child or, or someone else, and that new car. How you respond when others around you are being blessed by the things that you desire the most may well determine the outcome of you receiving your own promises from God. Keep your eyes focused on God's promise to you. And do not be deterred by what is going on with others around you. Believe that your turn is coming. As a church, we will probably also hear about all kinds of churches in Omaha where God's hand is being demonstrated, where people are getting saved. We need to rejoice with them and trust God that our time is also around the corner. So in Jesus' precious name, I decree that you will never miss your blessing 
because of your response to how others have been blessed ahead of you. I decree that you will not miss your blessings because you could not wait for God to deliver on what he has promised you. I decree that we, as a body of Christ the glad tidings, will not miss out on the blessings of helping to bring thousands of souls into God's kingdom because of, of our perception that his promise is not being fulfilled maybe as quickly as we expect it to. Our God will always do what he has said he will do. So here's my third point. Getting the worst possible news about your situation does not negate God's promises to you. Let me say that again. Getting the worst possible news about your situation does not negate God's promises to you. You know, there are many times when God will make a promise to you and almost within a day or more, things seem to take a turn for the worst. Who has ever experienced that? I see a lot of hands going up. While you're waiting for God to fulfill his promise to you, your situation may actually seem to take a turn for the worst. While Jairus was waiting for Jesus to start moving again, people from his own house came and told him not to bother Jesus anymore because his daughter was now dead. Mark 5.35 Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? So now put yourself in Jairus' shoes. This man had humbled himself to come to Jesus. He had waited patiently while someone else was receiving the same blessing he was craving for his daughter. He had restrained himself from getting mad at Jesus for stopping. When Jesus should have kept on moving. Maybe if Jesus hadn't stopped, maybe her daughter would not have, his daughter would not have died. When Jesus should have continued the journey to heal his daughter, he must have been in a real predicament. His daughter's situation was now hopeless, according to the people who brought the news. Similarly, there's some of you in a, in your, in a season of your life where seems your situation has seemingly turn, taken a hopeless turn. Things may have gotten worse after that initial promise from God. Even your family and friends may be telling you that your situation is impossible to overcome. Don't bother Jesus anymore. You're too old to get married. You're too old to have children. You're too poor to buy that car you desperately need. You can never afford that house that God has promised you. The decline in your relationship with your spouse is too far gone for reconciliation. There's no hope of reviving your broken relationship with your estranged son or daughter. How should you respond? Well, let's learn from Jesus. When the people brought the worst kind of news to Jairus about his daughter, what was Jesus' response? Mark 5, 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, that is Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Everybody say that. Don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus is saying to someone here today about your hopeless situation, don't be afraid, just believe. Again, everybody, don't be afraid, just believe. Listen, God is a God, not only of healing, but God is also a God of resurrection. Isn't that what our faith is all about? Resurrection. There is resurrection power in Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus has resurrection power over every situation in your life. On our journey to bring thousands of new souls to God through this church, we should be prepared to hear voices to tell us not to bother because America is already dead. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Just believe. When God says America can be resurrected, what God means is that America can be resurrected. Now listen, saying there is no hope is like slamming the door in the face of God. Let me say that again. Saying there is no hope is like slamming the door in the face of God. 
When I was in a leadership position in the previous city that I lived in prior to coming to Omaha, the Lord gave me a clear vision, clear vision about how I could help the children of the city that I lived in. The specialty services provided for the children in that city were incomplete and not very well organized. It was problematic, to say the least, for families to find the care they needed, to know how to access such care, and for especially for poorer families, even making the appointments was a challenge because they did not have transportation. The, many of them did not have cars. Many of these families, their children missed up to 60% of all their medical appointments, and the outcomes were not very good for that reason. As a lead pediatrician in the city, God gave me influence to bring together everyone who could make a significant change happen for the benefit of those children. We brought together community leaders, parents of children who have been affected by this lack of organization, the local hospital leaders, the local university leaders where I worked. We did surveys of the community to identify the greatest needs and even published a blueprint for what we needed to do to change things for the better for the children. I worked on this project for years and we were on the verge of making it a reality. It seemed that everyone was on the same page until at the very last minute, one of the key and critical partners decided they did not want to invest in the services needed to make this a reality and pulled out. It was a major blow. And it seemed that all those years of hard work and planning to make a difference was dead on its tracks. There didn't appear at the time to be any way forward. And shortly after that time, God made it very clear that it was time for me and my family to move on. At that time, I was not sure why God had allowed this vision that I knew was, without a shadow of a doubt was his to look like what was not going to happen then. I spent several months on my knees seeking to understand his plan, what he, what he had in mind. Now, about two years later, after I left this position, I received a surprise phone call from the community leaders where I had been. They were not about to let this vision die. I guess God was speaking to them. They were forming a new organization in my name and informed me that they would make sure the blueprint I had left behind was being followed. So initially, the project was just going to focus on transportation to get the families to their, to their medical appointments. But a year later, I was invited as a guest of honor to a big event where they showed me how they were following the blueprint that we'd left behind, behind to a T. There was resurrection of that vision. When God says it, God means it. Getting the worst possible needs about your situation does not negate God's promises to you. He is a God of resurrection. If he did it for me, he can do more for you. And he will do it in Jesus' name. One word of caution. You have to be very careful. You have to be very careful who you hang out with when God gives you a word or who's, who you're listening to. You don't want people who are going to discourage you from, turning, from, from walking with God when things go bad. Mark 5:37. He, that is Jesus, did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Why did Jesus only have three people? He didn't want distractions. He didn't want anybody giving him any negative views. Just said he, know those, he knew those three people well. Those are the only three people he allowed to follow him. Similarly, as you move towards God's promises for your life, be careful that those who surround you are not those who will dissuade you from believing God. So in Jesus' name, I take authority over every thought that you have and every word and every imagination and every voice that sets itself up against the confidence that you have about God's promises in your life. And I decree that God will give you resurrection power over every situation in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. I also decree 
that glad tidings will not be distracted by cynics on our journey to save those he has, that God has promised us in Jesus' precious name. So my fourth and final take-home point is this. Do not be moved when others mock you for believing what God has promised you. Do not be moved when others mock you for believing what God has promised you. When you start to exercise your belief in the resurrection power of Jesus, there'll be mockers who will ridicule you for your belief. When Jesus arrived at Jairus' house, there were mourners who were wailing quickly, whose wailing quickly turned to laughter and ridicule when Jesus told them the girl was only sleeping. So I'll show you those verses, but I won't read the whole thing. But what did Jesus do? Listen, this is very interesting. After he told them that the child was not dead but asleep, they laughed at him. And what did he do after he put them all out? So Jesus put them all out. He didn't want any of those negative people there. People who were disbelieving. Put them all out. Okay, there has to be agreement when you're, when you're trying to make God's promises come true. He touched the girl, told her to get up, and she got up immediately. As we go on this journey of trusting God to bring healing to Omaha and America through glad tidings, you can expect mockers who will laugh when they hear that we are believing in Jesus to resurrect our city and our nation. As you go along your journey of trusting God for that promise of your spouse, your reconciliation with your estranged partner, or for the return of your prodigal child, as you wait for delivery from pornography or alcohol, or wait for the finances you desperately need or for that promotion you have been promised for so long, you can expect mockers who will laugh at you and ridicule you. What does Jesus say? He says, don't be afraid, just believe. Believe that your situation is only asleep, just like that little girl, waiting for a touch from Jesus. It is not dead. God has resurrection power. So I want us to, I want to conclude by just having those words up there. We're going to repeat these words again and just have us all recite it as a closing uh, chair here. Let's say this together. I am a child of the living God. I believe only what God has to say about my situation. His promises to me are yea and amen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let God be true and every man a liar. Every, amen. Every head bowed, every eyes closed, please. Some of you here today have never given your life to Jesus Christ. And as a result, you cannot fully benefit from the promises God has made for your life. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and is waiting for you to let him in. He wants to have a close and personal relationship with you. If that is you, I ask that you raise your hand right now. I would really like to pray with you. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ and you don't have the benefit of this relationship with him, I really would like to pray with you. Everybody's eyes are closed and heads down. You don't have to worry about anybody watching. Just raise your hands so I can pray with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody upstairs? Okay. Well, thank you. I'm going to pray in a minute with the persons with, with your hands up. You can put your hands down right now. Similarly, some of you here are saved, but you may be feeling discouraged because you have not seen any hint of the promises God has given you being fulfilled in your life. Maybe you're still waiting for that husband, wife, you're waiting for that job, you're waiting for that promotion, you're waiting for reconciliation with your child, your, 
your friend, whatever it is. God wants you to know that he has not forgotten about you. And I would like to pray with you. If that is you, I need you to raise your hand right now so I can pray. I see a lot of hands going up. Excellent. Okay. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for bringing this word to us today. Reminding us that when you say so, you mean it. And Lord, we thank you for reminding us that you're not just a God of healing, but you're a God of resurrection. And Lord, I thank you that everybody here today will have that resurrection experience with you for that situation in their lives. That those just seems to be not, not, no progress being made. Lord, I thank you for new life. Thank you for this person that put up his hand and asking to receive salvation. And I would like everybody to join me as we pray this prayer together with this person so that we can all receive him with joy into the kingdom of God. So everybody repeat. So just say the prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I declare that I am a sinner and I recognize that my sins have separated me from you. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and was resurrected so that I would not need to die and go to hell. And I thank you that because of Jesus Christ, as I confess that he's my Lord and Savior, all my sins are canceled. And I have hope for a future in the presence of my Lord and Savior. Thank you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for all those who raised their hands, waiting for that resurrection in their situation, Lord. Thank you for healing and resurrecting every, that, every situation that everybody is hoping and waiting on you for. And Lord, we commit the rest of this day and this service into your hands. And we give you all the glory for all you do. And Lord, I thank you that this church will do what you said you will do. You will do what you said you will do through this church. And glad tidings will be a church of perpetual influence in Omaha, the United States, and around the world. In Jesus' most holy and most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Bless you. Amen. How many of you believe that God has spoken today through his servant, through his word? Thank you, Deli. We love you. And I love it when our small group leaders get to preach. If you're not part of a small group, man, there's some great things happening there. Hey, listen, uh, here's how we're going to close the service today. If you'd stand to your feet, uh, prayer workers, if you'd make your way to the front. If you prayed that prayer today with Delhi and, and you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to see you down here up front. I just want to meet you. I've got some stuff I want to give you. That'll be a blessing to you. And uh, the rest of you, remember, next week we launch a thrill of hope. Pick up some invitations and let's invite at least 10 people and let's go after at least one. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus.